Welcome into Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Casey Phillips and Scott Smith here. And this is where, as always, we answer your questions, talk about all of the thoughts, comments, things that are on your mind, especially this time of year when it is all the speculation. This is when the show is uh, really based on a lot of y'all's questions <laughs> and what you want to talk about. So if you're not already watching on Facebook, head on over there, leave your questions in the comment section of our live video. Tell us where you're from. Yeah, tell us where you're from. We always love hearing that and where people are watching from. Um, so as we give people a chance to start submitting some of those questions, uh, two things, sort of developments since uh, our last show. Uh, one is that we know Drew Brees is going to return with the Saints, and the other is that we actually got to hear from Bruce Arians this last week after, you know, yeah. once the season ends, usually there's a kind of prolonged period of no access to, yeah. to those guys. So let's start with Bruce. What were some of the things you guys talked to him about and any insights or yeah. things that came from In fact, it? I'm not sure I'd label that as a development because it was basically the opposite of a development. <laughs> you know, it's funny in this period when uh, something like this happens and the general public probably thinks, oh, he did, Bruce decided to come out and say something about these topics for the first time in like six weeks. Well, it wasn't really that. What happens is your coach, your GM just happens to be available at some event and the media is aware of it and they're doing their jobs and they go there and if they get a chance to talk to him, they ask the questions they haven't got to ask in six weeks. So right. they did, but as it turns out, most of what Bruce said was the exact same thing he said six weeks ago. And he said, nothing's really changed. Right. And he repeated one of the lines he said back then, uh, which gets a lot of play, and that's basically, to paraphrase, what's behind door number two? And that's in reference to what are the Buccaneers going to do what do they want to do with quarterback Jameis Winston and what's behind door number two means what other options are out mm -hmm. there and it is important to know that I don't think anybody would think a team was doing their due diligence on deciding what direction to go with their potential franchise quarterback or right. some other if they don't have a good comparison it's not necessarily a slight to Jameis or a vote for Jameis it's, mm -hmm. just, it's the thing that a team should do and until you know for sure who's going to be available and until you get to talk to some of them you know, you can't really put all the pieces together. Yeah. So we know now, like you said, that Drew Brees is not going to be available. Not that anybody thought he was coming here, but does the fact that Drew Brees is definitely coming back mean Teddy Bridgewater is more likely to leave, as an right. example? So I would think so, right? Yeah, and I think that seems to be the assumption. The way everyone's talking about it is just that he is definitely not coming back, that Bridgewater will move on, that he you does would not want to so, be. Right? Yeah. I mean, he made $7.5 I think, to be a backup last year, but you look at projections, what if some team wants to – pay him $25 million to be their starter. Right. He's Something obviously tells me gonna he's going to take that, yeah. yeah. And especially when the Saints still have Taysom Hill. Right. It's not like they're all of a sudden like, oh, man, we don't have a backup. Right. They view him as a very viable backup. So, um, And he's a restricted free agent, so they have a pretty good chance of keeping him. Right, which is a great point. Um, we've got a lot of people chiming in with where they're listening and watching okay. from, which is cool. we got Such Kansas as. City. Okay. We've got well, Puerto Rico. So a Bucks fan in Kansas City right now? I guess so, yeah. That's probably got to be pretty miserable having <laughs> to watch all of that. Uh, Puerto Rico, we've got Georgia, Kentucky, um, North Carolina, Texas, okay. a whole bunch of really fun places, which is awesome. Chris, um, you could just make it up. That's also true. Well, we've definitely had people do that in the past, <laughs> considering somebody, I think, at one point said Antarctica. I'm Antarctica. pretty sure that wasn't Whoville. true. Yes. Uh, Nathan uh, asked, do you think we could get Bridgewater? So as we were discussing yeah, that. Sure. With the, yeah, sure. I mean, sure. Well, I mean, seriously, though, when you start, and that's, a, if you can answer that question, you're making the presumption that the Bucks are not going to resign Jameis, right? So how many teams are going to be looking for a quarterback and are going to be in the in the business of paying, in the position to pay somebody, a veteran moving teams, $20, 25000000 million. There's not a ton of them, really, when you look at it. So if Teddy Bridgewater is looking for a place to start, and if it becomes clear that the Buccaneers are not going to continue forward with Jameis, then I would think this would become one of the top destinations that 
these quarterbacks would be looking at, especially right. when you consider who you're going to get to throw the ball to, right? Yeah. I mean, I would think any quarterback would want to come here and throw to Mike and Chris and OJ and Cam. Yeah, I can't imagine any quarterback being like, no, that doesn't sound <laughs> fun. Um, Austin asked, is it possible to afford Shaq and trade for Jamal Adams? I think Oof. that would really put the defense over the top. What are your thoughts? He said, also, I'm from Martinsburg, West Virginia, only fan around. <laughs> so we get to re-sign Shaq, but we also get to trade for one of the best safeties in the league. Uh, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, it's possible to afford it. Um, you know, we you're probably making a priority decision there, though, because it's probably not possible to do that and get Jamal Adams and bring back all of your all the other potential defensive free agents like Indomitian Sue and Jason Pierre-Paul. And I know we Bruce Arians would d- definitely like to have all those players back as, as he, if he could. And, and in any case, are the Jets really going to trade Jamal Adams? I mean, are we just going to start picking guys out? That Yeah, we forget that there has to be the other half of where they have to be willing <laughs> to get rid of this person, yeah. and that's probably not yeah. something they want to do. Well, I mean, there obviously there was some talk about that during the season, which yeah. is why somebody would bring right. that up, but I would suspect he stays put. It's it's like we t- with anything with trades, it's always easy to just talk about like our end of it, of what right. we'd want to do, and same thing even with the, the draft of – you know, oh, well, do, can we trade down? It's like, well, yeah, you got to have someone Somebody, that's yeah, willing to do more. the other part. But, I mean, yeah, let's go ahead and re-sign Shaq and, and trade for Jamal Adams. Yeah, Maybe we plan. can get J.J. Uh, Watt while we're at it. Yeah, I like that all these plans. This well. is great. Yeah. Um, I like how it's coming together. Yeah. Sean uh, asked, will we draft a running back this year? I'd say there's a good shot. I would be surprised if it's in the first round. Um, I think we've talked about this a lot. With some, with some exceptions in recent years, like just the guys that are expected to be really elite workhorses like Ezekiel Elliott and Leonard Fournette, um, the the running backs aren't going as high as they used to, right? Um, because they're considered assets you can get, like Alvin Kamara in the third round, guys like that, right? And so teams go into it thinking, we can use our first-round pick on something else because we do think there's a good chance of getting one in the second or the third round. But, yeah, that seems like something the Bucks could definitely do with one of their day two or three picks. Sure. Um, Scott said he's watching from New Mexico. And yep. And he's uh, he asked, isn't Philip Rivers just an older Jameis? So as a lot of people have asked about Philip Rivers and how he would fit here and whether you'd want him over Jameis. I get it. I get it. Everybody's saying the same thing because um, he, I guess, Philip Rivers had the third most interceptions in the league with 20. Um, but they're not the same player. I mean, the, everybody since we got Jameis wanted to say that Jameis was just a younger Ben Roethlisberger. Right. But they're not really the same player. I get the point, though. I think the point is, do you, if you're moving on from Jameis Winston, it's not because he threw for 5,100 yards and 30 touchdowns. It's because of all the turnovers, right? And if you're moving on, do you then want to sign an, a new quarterback, but older, an older one uh, who's probably beyond his peak, who also – last year turned the ball over a lot. So right. I understand, but they're not the same guy. Yeah. Um, Sean asked, uh, what is taking so long to sign Shaq, Sue, or JPP? <laughs> so let's talk about overall just the timeline of some yeah. of that stuff. It was, we've talked about this a couple times. I Just to be sure I was right about this, I went back and looked at our transaction logs from like the last 10 years. And there's always a couple guys you're trying to resign before the start of free agency, free agency right? <clears throat> Almost every one of those happened in March, and most of them were really close to the start of free agency, and some of them were even on the day of or a couple days after. And in the case of, say, Shaq, you potentially could use the franchise tag and extend those negotiations for weeks after the start of free agency. And so you've got two sides here that are trying to meet in a middle in a middle ground that works for both. And as he absolutely should, Shaq is going to try to get as much in his contract as he can. 
and the Bucks, as they absolutely should, are going to try to make it as affordable for them as they can. And so it takes a while. You know, you're not right. going to Shaq's just not going to take the first deal the Bucks put on the table, or the first number they throw out there, and probably vice versa. So these things tend to be driven by deadlines, is the way I would put it. So that's right. why we're not hearing anything. You, you, if you look back at all these types of transactions, you're not going to find a single one on what's today, December 18th, 19th. Mm-hmm. You're not going to find one. February. Yeah. W- <laughs> I was like, mm. <laughs> you're definitely not going to find them December. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Chauncey. Six shopping days till Christmas. Yes. Uh, better get out there and hurry. Chauncey said, um, are we going to address uh, offensive line in the draft early? I think it's a good idea, and I've said that a couple times. Uh, and if by early, I hope that means first round. Um, there is a good offensive tackle in particular depth in this draft to the point where there's probably going to be one or two guys that would normally be a top 10 pick who are available at 14, which is where the Bucks are to start the first round. And if you look at a, a lot of mock drafts, you see a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Tristan Worst from Iowa being one of them. You know, there's there's just Mackay Becton, uh, Wills, um, Anthony Thomas, I think it is, from Georgia. Uh so yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of them viable there's options. Austin Jackson from USC. Uh, I it, probably will, they'll start to um, shake out a little bit mm-hmm. in terms of the expected order that they'll go after the combine. But uh, no, I think it's a really good idea. And that, I feel like that's reassuring when there are that many names all at the same position that, especially even have been mocked to us, that it shows that it's not like there's one guy. That's right. That's the only viable one. Like if you're going to want an, you know, an mm. offensive lineman, you better hope you get him or that's it. Right. But if there are that many guys, I feel yeah. like that's a great sign. Yeah. I would contrast that with another player that the Bucks are getting a lot in mock drafts is South Carolina defensive tackle. I guess we'd call him a defensive lineman in our defense, Javon Kinlaw. Mm-hmm. And in that case, I think Auburn's Derek Brown is expected to go really high. But after that, he's clearly the next guy on everybody's board, and there's not a lot of other ones. So um, that one makes it – you'll see that in a lot of mock drafts, and that seems to me like that would be a good pick. But I also think it's less likely because you only need one team in front of us to really want an interior defensive lineman to make that not happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, Richard is watching from California, and he asked who your favorite – draft prospect is that would potentially be the best fit for the Bucks. Well, I guess we're going to say that we could actually get, right? Right, Because yeah. if you can – if I can say anybody, I'd want Chase Young. Right. Or even if you're, if you're deciding to make a change of quarterback, Joe Burrow, right? Mm-hmm. So we're talking realistic. Yeah. I, I really like the idea of – got to get this right. I keep saying it wrong. Kalevon? Yeah. Kalevon Chason, the um, LSU uh, edge rusher. Um, this could depend upon what happens. I mean, right. who all we resign? Yeah, even everything. if you get Shaq back, you still could use another one. But if you resign Shaq and JPP and maybe even Carl Nassim, then that's probably not a big need. But I really do like that prospect mm-hmm. a lot. I think, I think there's a lot of room for him to grow. He's got a lot of talent. Um, I know he didn't have huge numbers last year, but he was really coming on at the end of the year. And I just think that's a guy that could really grow into an even better player than he is right now. I saw that um, it was, I think, John and Cameron and a few different people brought up Justin Herbert, if there's a possibility that that's someone we either could get and would want to get. Probably have to trade up for that, I would think. Um, I, You know, I keep saying if you look at mock drafts, and yes, mock drafts are just mock drafts or just somebody's guesses, but uh, if you look at them, you'll see him usually going in top ten, maybe even top five, you know, if, if, uh, if he goes before Tua or if – even there's three quarterbacks in the top five. And that, and what makes me think that will happen or something like that will happen is, and we've talked about this in many times in recent years, the quarterbacks tend to rise as they get closer, right? Because teams, that's if you're going to make a big investment in a, in a quarterback, you probably have to do it high in, in the draft, right? And so if you, even if you're picking 
10 and you're hoping a guy will fall for, to, to you, you can't take that risk. Right. And so you trade up. So it, it, in, in the end, it tends to be that the quarterbacks that are highly regarded rise. So when I see Justin Herbert going in the top five in most drafts, it makes me think, it's definitely going to be at least that high, right? Yeah, that's a good. They they rarely fall. It, it has yeah. happened, but it doesn't happen very doesn't often. happen very often. Um, Deshaun Watson. Yeah, uh, Brandon is watching from DC and asked if there's any chance we make a run at Melvin Gordon. Yeah, I I, I guess. Um, again, I would think Melvin Gordon would would command a pretty big salary, a pretty big contract for a running back, and. He's had some good years in San Diego, but I don't even think he necessarily has the track record of, say, Todd Gurley when Todd Gurley got his big new deal. And obviously that one hasn't really worked out that well. Um, if we were to sign a clearly talented running back like Melvin Gordon, I would be excited about it. I'm sure a lot of people would be too. But I just still continue to question the wisdom of big contracts for running backs because – doesn't seem like they work out as often as they should. Mm -hmm. um, Matt asked, after Shaq, who is the highest priority to re-sign on defense? Is it my decision or what the team actually thinks? Uh, is there keeping that close to the Yeah, I was, was going to say, I don't think you know the answer necessarily I would think it, the team it, is. So. It comes down to um, Indomitian Sioux versus JPP, and it might be hard if you're also getting Shaq to keep all three. If you're asking me, since you're already going to be investing in the edge rusher in Shaq and you could maybe even draft one in the draft – and Dominican Sue would be the one I'd go after next. Um, it's just the way he solidified that front, how well he worked with Vita Vey and Will Golston, how great our run defense was, how often he commanded double teams. That's not just me saying it. There's stats out there of how often he was double teamed, which helps everybody else get favorable matchups and really helped the pass rush. We, we ended up with, yeah, I know he only had, what, two and a half sacks, something like that, mm -hmm. I think. But the team ended up with 47 sacks, which is the second most we've ever had in a season. So I think he was a big part of that, even though it doesn't, doesn't show up in the stat line. And he was obviously one of the main reasons we had the best run defense in the league and the best run defense statistically that the Bucks have ever had. Right. I would like to keep as much of that intact as possible. Yeah, that makes complete sense. Um, and Daniel asked, what are your thoughts on Leonard Williams? What kind of salary would he command versus Ndamukong Sue? Well, is he a free agent? I believe so, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. I was reading that uh, somebody projecting that the, that he could the Giants might uh, franchise tag him because they, they made a pretty aggressive trade to get him, and even though he didn't necessarily light up the world for them, um, if you're going to trade those assets, you'd like to keep them around probably, right? right? Uh, Leonard Williams, I, I'm going to have to be honest here and say I don't really know his top strengths. I, I don't, is he a great run stopper? I mean, I know he's a big guy. I know he's like the third guy drafted overall, and I'm sure right. he's supposed to be an all-around stud in the middle there. I don't think his career has been as impactful as his two teams have been hoping it would be, right, as mm -hmm. like the third overall pick, I think. So I'd stick with Ndamukong Sue. And I think he'll probably be cheaper because he's farther along in his career, right? So he's probably going to get shorter deals. As right. he's been, he played the last two years on one-year deals. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. All right, well, that's going to do it for us on this edition of Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Thanks, as always, for watching and for all of your questions and telling us where you're watching from. We'll be back here next week to answer all the ones that hopefully we didn't get to today. So we'll see you then.